0: guests today, I want to say that you have chosen um, just a perfect opportunity to come check out Community of Hope because I want to take some time today and I want to take some time in this month and talk to us uh, about uh, who we are as a church and what God is doing in and through us uh, as a church. I was thinking about this as we move into the fall. This, this is my 23rd fall as the pastor of Community Hope. Now, I didn't, I didn't really say that for a golf clap, but uh, I will take chocolate from you after the service if you want to. I, I will do that. And I thought about this because I have served three times longer in this setting than I've served in any other uh, you know, uh, Christian ministry combined. So when I started uh, in ministry before here, I served two other churches for a total of seven years. So here I am, starting my twenty-third year. Many of y'all know how our church started. Uh, I reached out to our sending organization and I said I'd really like to plant a church, and I was told no. They said uh, no, we don't, we don't, we don't really want you to do that. And so I started to pray about that, and then the day before, uh, I flew to Seoul, South Korea to study the prayer movement uh, in Seoul, South Korea. I got a call from our mission organization that said, you can plant a church somewhere in Palm Beach County. And I felt like the the dog that chased the milk truck and caught it. (laughs) Because I thought, you know, I wanted to plant a church, but I thought, I don't really even know how to plant a church. And so we went to Seoul, South Korea, and I was over there studying the prayer movement, and I went to a church that had built... Uh, on the outskirts of Seoul, South Korea, they'd built a little prayer, like a prayer house, a prayer building into the side of a mountain. And I went into this uh, these prayer grottoes, these little six-by-six six prayer grottos, and I climbed into one of those. And to be honest with you, I was just crying out to God. And I thought, I'm going to pray all night because I'm about to move my family to Palm Beach County. I don't really know what I'm doing. It's, it might not go well. And I was insecure about this. And I, somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning, Uh, I felt God say in my heart, not an audible voice, but a voice nonetheless in my heart, tell me that if you'll go to Palm Beach County and you'll be faithful and you'll move there, I will build a community of hope uh, in Palm Beach County. And that's where our church got its name. And so we moved to Palm Beach County in the fall or in the summer of 1996. And across that next year, we began to fashion a church together. And we worshiped uh, in our living room till we outgrew our living room. We went to a funeral home. We did not grow in the funeral home. (laughs) I met a lot of people. None of them joined our church, okay? And uh, we went to a couple of high school cafeterias, and then we went uh, to a high school auditorium, and we were there for 14 years uh, in a high school auditorium. And then finally in 2011, uh, we moved out here. Some of you remember that when in the early days of our church, uh, we were just trying to figure it out. And, and I remember a guy telling me one time, some of y'all heard me say this. He, he said, you know, I was telling him about our church. He said, I don't practice organized religion. I said, neither do we come to Community of Hope. <laughs> it's like a disorganized hot mess. And I remember the first early couple years of uh, our, our church, and I asked Beth if she wanted to join, and she'd go, not this year. Try me again next year. <laughs> and so God was doing all these things uh, at Community of Hope. And when we started, right from the very beginning, we we made a strategic decision and we made a decision that we were going to be a church for the unchurched and this is what when you know if you're taking notes this is what I think about whenever I say that i a church for uh, for uh, never churched over churched or dechurched people and we decided to to do that and we built a mission statement Uh, that has been sort of the rudder of our church from the very beginning. And we've placed it in every building uh, that we have to this date. And and I want to show it to you. In fact, I want us to read this out loud together. We're going to read it out loud. Ready? Go. To interest disinterested people in Jesus and grow together into fully devoted followers of him. And I I just remember being so impassioned uh, about this mission. And I thought, I want to aspire that we would be the kind of church that, that might be said something like this, that people who fit into this category, you know, the unchurched, overchurch, or de church, they might say, you know, I might not yet believe everything that he says, but it was helpful. I might not yet believe everything that he says, but but they answered a question. I might not believe everything that he says, but I'm glad I attended. I might not even believe everything he said, but these are nice people. Some of them are even good looking. This, is kind of, this was kind of the idea behind this. And, and so I remember uh, reading a while back, I read a lot of different things. I'm just kind of an eclectic reader, and I was reading a leadership book by Peter Drucker, who was kind of a leadership guru, and, uh, and, and he made an observation. I remember when I read this from him, I thought, oh my gosh, that's a powerful thing. He said... Every successful or would-be successful organization, every now and again, must ask itself two questions. What is my business, and how is business? And I remember being motivated by that. And I, I remember thinking about this, and so when I put all of this together, the question, I think, for us in this day uh, is is simply that. Um, what's our business? Our business is to interest disinterested people in Christ. Grow together into fully devoted followers. Amen? Amen. And uh, how's business? I was thinking about how business is. I, I wrote some things down. This is not a brag session. And if I'm bragging, I'm bragging on you. Okay? All right? But uh, by all stretch of the imagination, it's been pretty much a rocket ride, hasn't it? Uh, within our own tradition, for the last five years, we've been listed as one of the fastest-growing churches in the nation. Last year, we were first, and I predict this year we will be first. Uh, the, the percentage of people connecting in a small group from our weekend attendance is also one of the highest in the nation. We started another campus that's growing. We started a Latino campus that's growing. Our five, Love the 561 initiative. With things like the dollar club and foster care and hope and action is building a lot of momentum in our community and it's just reminding us in this moment that God is not really just building a church listen to this I think he's blessing a city and so here's the question thank you Larry I paid Larry to do that right when I get to this part I need you to okay here's here's the thing though what's next What's next? I, I, I was thinking about this because um, I know that these last two months are really important for us. You just saw the bump video. And in the bump video, uh, we just kind of give, we, we just sort of tee up the idea around we're a church for the unchurched and we're always stretching out. So in, at the end of this month, we're going to invite everybody. We're going to remind you again that we have a missions offering and we're going to collect the largest Offering that we collect all year at Christmas time. And then across the next year, in case you're a guest, I want you to know this, we will give every bit of that money away. That's what we're going to do. We've started the dollar club, and the dollar club has been a powerful thing uh, in our church. And so there's, uh, we're going to invite people to our Christmas Eve services. I think we've got seven services, I guess, this year again, or nine services. I've lost count. I call it the great American preach-off, okay? And so there's all this kind of stuff going on, and I started thinking about, um, you know, this idea, and I thought, you know what, um, let's, let's have a conversation, not just about what's happening in our individual lives, but for just a moment, let's have a conversation about our church, and that's why if you're a guest here today, it's a perfect opportunity because we're going to peel back the curtain and maybe you'll learn, in fact, frankly, there's maybe not even a curtain. but but God is up to something. And the question becomes so, what is next? Um, I want to let you in on something. I've chosen,, um, you know, I pick a verse that we kind of hang all of the all of the ornaments of the ser, uh, of the series on a verse. And the verse that I chose, for november i I want us to read this out loud too it's it's luke chapter 10 and verse 2 but before i you uh read this out loud i want to ask you to do something we're going to be a very hands-on service i want everybody to get their phone out just get your phone out right now i know you brought it with you go ahead and get it out all right good one spiritual person in the house all right now here's here's the thing i want to tell you um This verse, and we're going to read it out loud uh, together. These are Jesus' words, so he told them, that's Jesus. Let's read it. Ready? Go. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So what I've been doing for the last couple of years, and some of us on our staff have been doing, we have set an alarm on our phone for 10.02 a.m., and I want to encourage you to do that right now. And so every day at 10.02, uh, if you're in a staff meeting, all of our phones go off. <laughs> and it's a reminder to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers for the harvest. That's our prayer. And so I was thinking about this series, and I was thinking about... Um, kind of the missional application of what we're we're doing together as a body and i thought about this uh, for in many parts of our country this is harvest time this is harvest season and so i wanted to lay this down for you and i thought well i want to invite people to go ahead and set an alarm on their phone some of you right now are going i don't know how to set an alarm on your phone <laughs> you can google that later and I'll learn how to do that i thought this is a risky thing to do and, uh, and I thought of a parable, and I want to read this parable to you, because you can't have a harvest unless you sow seed, right? And so I wanted to lead us through uh, this parable. It's my favorite parable. And uh, I want us to talk about this, but we're going to talk about it in both a conventional way for a few moments, and then I want to talk about it in somewhat of an unconventional way. And so these are Jesus' words, and uh, Jesus is telling this story. Uh, a large crowd is gathered, and this is how he says it. Uh, the story goes, uh, Luke records it, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Here's how it goes. It says, while a large crowd was gathering, the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, and he told them this parable. He said, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still, yet, other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he, when he said this, he called out, "'Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear.'" And then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, "'The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God "'have been given to you,' talking to the disciples. Uh, "'But to others I speak in parables, "'so that though seeing they may not see, "'though hearing they may not understand.'" What he, what he was saying there, in case you would get confused, as he was challenging the religious culture of the day, this is an important thing to think about, that all they would do is listen and listen and listen, but never lean in. Sound familiar? He said, so, then he went on, he said, so this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear, and when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and may not be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they don't have any root. And so they believe it for a while, but in the time of testing, when life gets hard, they fall away. And the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear it, but as they go on their way, they're choked, really, by life's worries and life's riches and life's pleasures, and they don't ever mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart, with a good heart, those who hear the word and retain it. And by persevering, they produce a crop. Let's pray. Lord, would you uh, take my words, feeble as they are, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, come into this space and do something supernatural, cause something to grow within us, O God, that only you can plant and only you can till, so that we might be of use to your kingdom and its purposes. For we pray together in the name of Christ, and everyone said, amen. So this is traditionally thought of as um, the parable of the sower. And if you're taking notes, you may want to just write some of these things down. We all know that there are four Gospels. These are the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Uh, By any careful estimation, um, in those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus told uh, 46 different parables. And so if we're adding all that up, um, eight of these parables appear in the Synoptic Gospels, which is this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are fairly similar Gospels. John's the only one that's different. And so of the 46 parables that Jesus uh, told, uh, eight of them appear in those three Gospels. They're repeated, and this is one of them. And um, it's interesting to consider that this is um, one of the only few that Jesus tells the parable, and then he immediately explains what it means. So a lot of times when he's sharing a parable, he shares a parable, and it's kind of left for us sort of spiritually to get our minds and our hearts around it. But Jesus, uh, in in his kindness and his goodness, takes the extra step, if you will, and goes on to explain to the disciples uh, actually uh, what this parable means. Uh, means, And I think it's sort of interesting because um, when most of us think about this parable, we think about it, first of all, in a very conventional way. And I, I want to tee up the conventional way. In fact, I, I was thinking about this many years ago. I preached a message around this parable specifically, and I shared it um, in, in, in its conventional way. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch it just for a few moments this morning, but I want to begin... Uh, in, in sort of the conventional way. This is what I would tell you about this. First of all, think with me about this. We begin the Christian journey solely on the merits of another person. Who's that person? Jesus. We begin the Christian journey uh, not by our merit, but solely on the merits of, an, of another. And the Bible would call this grace. Grace. And if we're thinking about grace, this is kind of what, what I would want us to understand. A saving relationship with Jesus Christ is not earned, and we can't by force take it. Amen? Amen. We don't uh, earn our salvation by possessing good persuasive skills. Uh, at best, we come unworthy and we cry out to a God who loves us unconditionally, and, and He saves us by His grace. In fact, paul was once writing about this exchange and he says i think one of the most beautiful things in in the entire new testament he says this while we were still yet sinners he says christ what died for us we can't earn it somebody's alarm is going off right now 1002 everybody okay and so this is the idea that i want us to think about this and um So when we get this, Paul says, once we understand this, it is the love of Christ that compels us to begin to want to embrace a relationship with him. And so uh, Paul writes, the love of Christ compels us and, and we move forward and we begin to grow. And the Christian faith involves, this is what I think about, the Christian faith involves what we believe and what we practice and who we become. And I'd like to say uh, in this day and in this age, it it is a lot hinged on who we become. And um, who we become is most determined, if you will, by the fruit we produce with our lives. And the fruit we produce with our lives is impacted by the condition of the soil that fruit grows in. I want to say that again. It was so good. It's worth a repeat. <laughs> Who we become is most determined by the fruit we produce with our lives. Got it? And the fruit we produce with our lives is impacted by the condition of the soil that fruit grows in. So think with me about this for just a moment. This is if we, I want us to all get our minds and hearts around this. So um, the way we grow uh, determines the fruit that is produced in our lives. So in other words, if if we see fruit growing in our lives, we might even think of how Paul described the fruit of the Spirit. Remember those? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If any of those things are growing in our heart, here's, here's what... Here's what Paul would say to us. It's because the condition of our heart is producing an environment worthy uh, of that fruit growing in our heart. This is the conventional way that we oftentimes look at this parable. In one way, what I would tell us is this. It's about the soil. It's about the soil. This is the conventional way that we look at it. In fact, to, just to prove it to you, I want to I show you, and if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. Uh, in Luke chapter, five, uh, chapter 8, verse 5, notice what he says. He says, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And then he comes along in verse 12, and he explains it. Here's the explanation. Those along the path are the ones who hear it, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they might not believe and be saved. And so I think what he's trying to communicate, when the soil falls on the path, the path is hard, and so it represents sort of like a closed mind or a closed heart. One of the the things I get to see a lot of times when people come in here is they come in here and a lot of times, and this is the position when I see people first come into church, they're kind of like this. I don't know about this. I'm not sure. And you see, and then they come in and they, they learned that actually we're, we're normal. Mo- most of us are normal. <laughs> and, and it's almost as I can see people like they just start to relax. And they might bring a lot of stuff into the room and they go, you know what? I'm, I'm learning there are people in here way more jacked up even than I am. <laughs> and, and they just, they, they begin to relax. And here, here's the thing. Let's think of it conventionally. The way, the way that we begin to grow in Christ begins, I think, first by just cultivating an open mind and an open heart. I, I want to say this right now. I'm not asking you to believe everything I'm saying yet. You don't have to buy it hook, line, and sinker. But here's what I would say. Come in with an open heart. Come in and say, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you here. You're here. Your word says you're here. Uh, Show. Sure, do it. Bring it on. If you'll do that, that's that's kind of what he's talking about get that conventionally makes sense want to hear another one notice what happens in luke chapter 8 verse 6 watch this one says some fell on rocky ground and the rocky ground when it came up the plants withered because they had no moisture and then now in verse 13 he explains it look at those in the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy but when they hear it but they don't have any root they believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. And I think what he's talking about there is shallow soil. And, and, and a lot of times, again, you, you've heard me say this. I, I heard three different people this past, uh, two weeks ago when I spoke here uh, said this to me. I made a comment, and I said, you know, a lot of times um, with our faith, we just have collected religious junk all our lives and put it in a drawer, and then when times get hard, we just open the drawer and pull stuff out, and we hope it fits. And what Jesus is saying here, really, if we're gonna, if we're going to grow deep, we we have to and not be shallow or superficial. Watch this. I think we have to allocate the time to listen. This is why. Th- this is why. This is so important. Just just take. Take a time every week and, and, and just allocate the time to listen. Be, come in and be open. We're going to bring our open self. We're going to dedicate some time, and we're going to see what the Lord will do. If the Lord will, as Paul said, uh, allow his love to compel us toward growing. In, in this way, it's kind of interesting when I think about my own life. In this way, then, it's not, it's not the challenges that drive me a, away from faith. It can be the challenges that drive us to deeper faith. I was talking to someone recently who who, who said, you know, I've, I have a loved one and I have these conversations all the time. And I have a loved one. And she said, and my my uncle told me that um, he doesn't any longer believe in God. And I told her, I said, well, you know what? Um, that's probably. Your uncle really manifesting an idea that is saying, you know, I need, to, I need to pull my childlike faith, childhood faith up into adulthood. And I need to wear different clothes with my faith. Look at what happens in, in the third ch- in the in in the next verse. In 8.7, it says this: He says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants. And then in verse 14, he explains it. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but they go on their way. They're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and, and they don't ever mature. This is thorny soil that gets preoccupied with life. And Jesus is inviting us, if we're going to grow, we have to learn how to eliminate all the distractions, <laughs> and we have to focus on them. And and then, lastly, in verse 8, notice what he says here. This is what we're aiming at, everyone. He says, still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let him hear. And then in verse 15, he explains it, and he says, the seed on the good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, and they retain it, and they produce a crop. And this is those who have a willing heart. Lord, I'm just open. Now, now here's where I'm going. For a moment, run, run with me on this. That's conventionally the way we think about that parable. And I think it's really important. I think the soil is important. In many ways, it's a parable about the soil. But can I remind everybody as well? It's also a parable about the seed. Isn't it? And this is what I've been taken with. Uh, in fact, in, chapter, in uh, chapter 8, verse 5, notice what it says. A farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering the seed. And, and the word scatter, you know what it means there? You know what it translates? It means to throw seed everywhere and i i want you to know something as your pastor i've i've been very taken with that idea and and i believe if i could just say a word i believe that as a church we are at a powerful influential fork in the road toward our next season of harvest I feel this very strongly. And uh, I want to call us um, to this. I I was thinking about seeds and how little seeds are. Yesterday, I was actually in Home Depot. I'm in there all the time. They know me on a first-name basis. And uh, I found the seed aisle. I want to show you a picture. There it is. And uh, one time or another, I've tried to grow a lot of that. And uh, <laughs> I had something else to share that I'm not going to share now at this point after, after that. I brought some seeds with me, and uh, I had Keith take a picture of these seeds. Look at that. And these are, these are zinnia seeds. Look how little they are. I said, Keith, look how little they are. And he said, dude, you need to moisturize more than you do. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Keith, for sharing that with me. Um, one of the things I think about seeds is seeds just start they're little. And I believe God is calling our church to think about scattering some seed in some new ways. Can I tell you about what I've been dreaming about a little bit? What's on my heart? Uh, I was thinking about this. So in Palm Beach County, listen to this. Palm Beach County, 1,400,000 plus or minus people. Okay, One in 11 goes to church. One in 11. So if you take 1.4 million and you divide it by 11, it's around 272,000 people. So on our best day, dream with me a moment, on our best day, we can only get 272,000 people. Any more than that won't come to church. That's what they're writing about right now. So that's our best day. There are 586 churches, give or take, in Palm Beach County. If we take 272,000 people and we divide it by 586, you know what you get? You get Two, wait a minute. You get. Hold on. Hold on. You get 216. So if we're gonna if we're gonna just get everybody we can get, that's every church in Palm Beach County, reaching 216 people. You know the average church size is in Palm Beach County north of 66 people. Anybody satisfied with that? I'm not. Did God bring us here for a purpose? Here's what I think it means. Everybody's not going to come to Community of Hope. (laughs) I knew that was really dangerous to do that. Um, We're going to have to take Community of Hope to them. I wonder about us starting some fresh expressions of ministry that in some ways don't look... Like church. I wonder if we would go where the people are that are not here and we began to minister to them in a way that they understand. I've been dreaming about um, starting... Uh, go with me now, just a minute, I will to stretch you a little bit. I've been thinking about, what about if we, if we were to start some house churches for people that would never come to this venue? but they might come to some places where they could have a meal and they would maybe listen a little bit and it's sort of trimmed down as an opportunity to onboard people who are looking for Christ, but they don't, they're not going to come here. I've been thinking about the back 10 acres and we, we've been, we, be, we keep being told we can't build on it. And I thought, well, it's, it's zoned agricultural. What if we plant on it? That's for everybody who laughed when I said I grow things. <laughs> what about it? Now, here's what's going to have to happen if we're going to do this. So I want to challenge you, and then, we'll, then I'll stop. If we're going to do that, Everybody who's in our church who's a partner is going to have to lean into their partnership vows. We can't take the same amount of people and add things to the deal. But here's what I think is going on right now in our church. We have so many people who are saying, how can I serve the mission? So let's start some new things around the mission and invite more people to serve in the mission. How many of you would be a part of that? yeah, I I feel like we are on to the next thing. Would you continue, oh God, beginning with our own heart and connecting our hearts with others of like mind that we might not just grow a church, that we might bless a city. This we pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Go in his grace. We'll see you next weekend.